Australia of recent times, we've had several investigations into casinos and gambling and their association with money laundering and criminality. Hello, welcome to this podcast from Two Ways Ministries. I'm Philip Jensen. Some years ago, I met with an executive of one of our casinos. We'd bumped into each other in the street and we just started talking and he very kindly invited me to lunch and which he tried to evangelise me concerning the values of casinos and I tried to evangelise him concerning the, the importance of the Lord Jesus Christ. I must say that uh, as an evangelistic effort, he succeeded considerably better than I did. We hardly got around to Jesus as he told me more and more about casinos and their operation. He was sure that the majority of casino business was mum and dad going out for a night and having made up their mind only to send 10 or $20 to spend that in the excitement of the casino and then going home. It was a very nice picture that he painted of the character of going out for a night's entertainment, going to the great theatre that they had there, eating at one of their nice restaurants and having a little flutter for excitement at the end of the evening and nothing more to it than that. But he did also tell me other things that were pretty sad. He told me about how sad it was to arrive at work early in the morning to find people who had been there pretty well all night still playing the machines. He told me how sad it was that on Christmas Day they had the biggest turn-up of people because all the lonely people around Sydney at Christmas time, the casino was about the only thing that was open for them to go to and so they had to put extra stuff on for Christmas Day. He told me other things that were just sad and, of course, it fed into my knowledge of people, people that you come across as a pastor. I remember a congregation family that we had. The wife was a Christian, the husband wasn't, and he was a gambler. I remember visiting their home and sometimes there was all this new furniture and this new television sets and new but then there were other times I would arrive at their door and there was no furniture at all. The family, the children were sitting on the floor. Everything had gone. Everything had been repossessed. The state of their life was totally dependent on Dad's winning and Dad's losing, and frankly, he lost a lot more than he won. And of course, that is discounted as being of any significance because he's a problem gambler. How many problem gamblers we have in this world, I do not know. And it may be that he's a problem gambler because his children, his wife, they were the victims of the problem gambler. And so do we stop something because there are some people who have a problem with it? Or do we continue irrespective of how many people are suffering? It's one of those issues that we have with a variety of subjects, isn't it? such as alcohol, do we, because there are some alcoholics, stop selling alcohol to anybody, anywhere? Or do we say, well, that's just part of the cost of having alcohol freely available in the society? Well, likewise gambling. But casinos, well, when I grew up, we didn't have casinos. Oh, we had gambling, of course. In fact, we had a lot of illegal gambling. SP bookies, they used to be called starting price bookies. They were running 
gambling shops in their homes, in their flats, in their places of business, always one step ahead of the police, oh, unless they paid the police off. And so you, you had gambling, but we didn't have casinos. But through the 1980s, there was much discussion about whether or not to open casinos. The Labour Party were very keen to do it. The Liberal Party were very keen not to do it. And so there was great argument at a time when there was a lot of organised crime as well that was being wrestled with. And part of the election process at the end of the 80s of moving from the Labour Party to the Liberal Party was arguments about organised crime and about the coming of casinos. The Labour Party had finally established a casino, given permission, given a licence to a man called George Heskew and for international factors to be involved in building a casino. And as soon as the Liberal Party came to power, they repealed that licence. Uh, George Heskew was later found on an is a different issue to be... Um, a fraudster and spent time in jail. He was a very unsuitable person to be running an activity like a casino. But having closed down that particular licence for a casino, the same Liberal Party that had fought against organised crime and fought against having a casino claimed that they had organised crime under control. That's one of the most stupid ideas I'd ever heard, but they claimed they had it under control. And so therefore they could now open a casino. And sure enough, the very people who were against the casino when they weren't in power became the people who finally licensed the casino. Mind you, they claimed that they had the strictest conditions that were ever available on a casino. And so they set up their casino in Sydney. This was contrary to the advice that they were being given on all counts. In Melbourne, they did an investigation. A judge, Xavier Connor, put out a report in which he really said it was impossible to stop crime entering into casino world. He really discouraged any attempt to open up casinos, but... Because they'd been opened elsewhere, Tasmania and then Melbourne, the New South Wales government felt obliged to follow suit. Why? Why did they do this? Well, the Council of Churches, the Diocese of Sydney, the Anglican Church and the Diocese of Sydney, but also the New South Wales Council of Churches, they fought vigorously all through the 80s against it. They put out report after report to say... This will only lead to criminality. There is no way that you can defend the opening up casinos. It would only make gambling a bigger problem in our state and be hurtful to more and more people. Well, I'm never sure when you should say I told you so, but frankly, now in 2022, and even over the last couple of years, we did tell them that it wouldn't work. And it hasn't. Now, why? Why hasn't it worked? Why did they open up the casinos? Well, there are all kinds of reasons. Tourism, they said, you know, we were losing tourist dollars because the tourists were going to the other cities where there were casinos. Uh, tax, because they could tax casinos and money should come in from there. Mind you, one cynical politician described uh, gamblers as people who paid voluntary taxation. It was the voluntary taxation of the simple-minded, is how he put it, which is fairly harsh. 
But the idea of raising tax dollars was very attractive to politicians, especially tax dollars where people did, in a sense, voluntarily give their money away like this. It didn't seem to hurt people other than problem gamblers for whom, well, we, we're not too worried about the few that are or the many that are. And so, well, tax, that was a good reason. And, and well, they thought they'd controlled organised crime and there was all these other forms of, of, of gambling out which was there. So by having a casino, we could control it. We could shut down the illegal shops that were everywhere and have it all centrally controlled and properly. And so by setting up very firm conditions, strict conditions, we could actually have honest gambling taking place. And furthermore, employment. Well, the casino used to employ 20,000 or so people. It been run seven days a week, 365 days a year. There's a huge employment there, not just in the croupiers, but, but also in the entertainment, the cleaners, the, the food that goes along beside it and the rest. So it gave great employment. And Well, people were going to gamble anyway. So we may as well have the government and the society benefiting from the from gambling. And then, of course, the casino is very good in its public relations at talking about all the good things that they do for society, the donations they make to different sporting clubs and the like, and the opening up of wonderful theatres and theatre presentations that are available to people because... And so the public relations exercise of the gambling community was able to lobby the government into doing something which on every piece of advice was not for the benefit of our society. You can't legislate people to be moral. It's the gospel that changes sinful hearts into people seeking to do that which is right, seeking to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Government laws never get people to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's a folly to think that we are going to bring in the, the kingdom of God by political action or government rules. And my ideological stance and practice on the subject of gambling means that I'm actually cancelled from the debate. No one actually is interested in the view of somebody who believes gambling is only ever always wrong. I mean, if that is your view, we've heard you, you've got nothing more to say, and so people just ignore what is being said, even though we told them that it wouldn't work. We warned them that in the long run, corruption would flourish, under the casino, right under their nose. And, of course, it has happened. And let me explain to you why it has happened and why it will always happen. Firstly, we need to understand what gambling is and why it's wrong. Gambling is not taking a risk. <laughs> we always take risks. Crossing the road is taking a risk. Uh, Eating certain food is taking a risk. Life is full of risk. Uh, gambling is not taking a risk. Gambling is covetousness. And I don't need much of the Bible to point out to you that it's wrong. It's the Tenth Commandment. It's what coveting is. I desire your possessions. 
and I'm willing to go into this kind of barter system of gambling in order to get your possessions. It is always the antithesis of loving your neighbour. If I love my neighbour as myself, I seek to do good for my neighbour. I seem to be generous and kind to my neighbour. Gambling is seeking to take my neighbour's goods, to take them from him or her. Now, some of this gambling, of course, is institutionalised, so I'm taking it from an organisation. I'm taking it from a casino. So it's not actually taking it from any person but ultimately it's always taking it from a person, the person who's losing to the casino that is now giving me my winnings. I'm taking it from a person. I'm always doing that. That is the nature of it. But I'm not doing it as in trade. I'm not doing it for their good. I'm not replacing the good that they are doing with the money. I'm not desiring, I'm not doing something for them for which they now pay me. There's no transaction of equal values. It's just greed. Gambling is fundamentally greed. That's what lies at, it, at its heart. You say, oh, no, 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 it's the thrill. It's the thrill of winning. Well, the thrill of winning doesn't need money added to it to be a thrill. If your team wins, that's a thrill. If your horse wins, that's a thrill. How does adding money add to the thrill? You say, well, I've got a bigger investment in this. Well, that's part of the addictive character of getting people to have these thrills. This thrill that leads to the addiction of people into losing their money and not caring for them in their loss of money. It is a dreadful thing to be doing, to be taking other people's money because they are addicted to having a thrill. Gambling is only ever always wrong. And because it is built on greed, the casinos will always attract greedy people. And greed lies at the heart of criminality. See, the scripture says, the love of money, not money, but the love of money, is the basis of all manner of sinfulness. When people's lives are built on the love of money, then gambling is attractive. And when criminals see the opportunities of making money through gambling, they will always do it. Organised crime will always come into casinos by the government being powerless to stop them means that the government will always be actually sponsoring them. Uh, the government's powerless for a couple of reasons. One, because we have a democratic system of government. People cannot afford to alienate the gambling industry. For to alienate the gambling industry is to cut off one of the great sources of money for the politicians, which again further corrupts our system, our system of government. And when the amount of employment and the amount of taxation is as great as it is, which government is able to stop the casinos? We could have not started them, 
as we told the government not to do. But once they're started, to close them down is to put thousands of people out of work. To close them down is to cut off a huge sum of money into the government into the government coffers. Which government, which political party has the moral strength to be able to do that? No, nobody really. None of them will do that, even though it could be called for, as one politician did just the other day in the state government. It's not going to happen, though. Why? Well, because we as a society are materialists. And as long as we're materialists, we will always be seeking greed. Greed comes from materialism. And why are we materialists? Well, because we've turned our back on God. Philosophical materialism, atheism, naturalism, philosophical materialism always leads to economic materialism. And economic materialism is expressed in such things as covetousness and greed and therefore totally open to the corruption of the criminal classes. I'm sorry, to build an industry on gambling, as the casinos, it, that's what they are, an industry built on gambling, to build an industry on gambling is to corrupt our government and our society. You're then saying, Philip, that there's nothing we can do. Oh no, we can do some things. We can stop advertising. We can stop approving. We can stop advertising. We can stop normalising the activity of gambling. The raffle at schools is really minor, isn't it? But yet, when the only ways in which money can be raised by raffles, we are teaching primary school children of the normality and the rightness of gambling. I mean, that is a very fine point. It, it's a point of almost Pharisaism, you would say, to be concerned about the little raffle in the school P&C. But yet, it's all part of the culture of covetousness and materialism that you do not do anything unless there is a chance of winning something monetarily. <laughs> but of course, more and more television advertising is about gambling. More and more sporting activities are about gambling. The fact that these sporting activities are themselves being compromised by gamblers at different times, well, that's just, that's the problem of gambling. It's a small problem. We, we can get rid of that. Well, if the small problem of problem gamblers is so small, you won't mind me pointing out that what we should be doing from casinos is taxing them not for general revenue in our society, because it's bad to build our society on gambling profits. No, no, we should be taxing them in order to help problem gamblers. And you say, well, we are, and I'm saying we're obviously not, because you've never met problem gamblers if you think we are really doing that. We should be forcing these people who want to live out of greed and covetousness to be taxed so heavily as to find it's not worth doing. It's not valuable. It's not helpful. To, they're actually disappointed. It costs them so little at the moment. The amount of tax we raise is minor compared to the amount of money that is being churned through these casinos. And the amount of damage they're doing to their, our society is major 
especially concerning con compared to the amount of money we're getting them to support and help in our society. And we mustn't allow them to do it under the public relations exercise of saying, see, we're giving to this football club or this cricket club or this society some help. We must do it as an expression of our society doing it by the government grant, not by the tax, not by the casinos. Advertising, promoting, encouraging any form of gambling is unhelpful. Worse, it is damaging to our society. Is the government concerned about that? In principle, yes. In practice, no. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray for our governments, as you teach us to do, that we might live godly, holy and righteous lives here in this world, that you would give to them wisdom and justice, care for those in great need, and help for those who need the assistance. We do pray, Father, for your help in this regard, in Jesus' name. Amen. to this new podcast from Philip Jensen and Two Ways Ministries. Philip will be bringing to you new regular episodes on a variety of topics and current issues. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up with his latest.